1: The U.S.-China trade relationship was in the news a lot for much of the Trump presidency, but we haven't heard much about that trade war lately. So what is the status of relations between the two countries? Also been a lot of talk lately about a tech war between the U.S. and China. What is happening on that front? What does that mean? And why should we be paying attention? We talk about all these things and more as we check in with Dr. Kevin Fandel, an associate professor of legal studies at Temple University's Fox. School of Business. Good wide-ranging discussion. Give a listen. So let's start with the concept of the trade war. We heard so much about the idea of a trade war with China and tariffs on China for really the first couple years of the Trump administration. I feel for a while now it's been pushed off the front page. Uh, What's the status here? Wasn't there kind of a phase one deal a while ago? Did we ever get to phase two? Where are we?
0: I would say we're at about phase 0.5 right now, Matt. We certainly had a lot of push for putting some tariffs on China and trying to get them to open up their markets to U.S. goods and also trying to get them to protect U.S. intellectual property. Those are really the two big reasons that President Trump wanted to try to change their practices by levying these new tariffs. Uh, as you know, and your listeners I'm sure know, The tariffs have steadily increased since 2018, when the trade war began. And right now, we are putting tariffs of approximately 20% on nearly all of the goods that we import from China, with a few exceptions. Likewise, China has responded and retaliated with approximately 20% tariffs on most of the goods that we sell in China, uh, which is far fewer than they sell to the United States but that really hasn't changed a whole lot. Uh, as you noted, there was a phase one trade deal that was negotiated in January of this year. And I think the the impetus for that phase one deal was the realization that we are not getting anywhere, that the trade war is not really benefiting anyone. China's not changing their practices. The US isn't making any headway, so we need something. Um, and so both parties came to the table and put in place this Limited promise to uh, stop increasing tariffs on Chinese goods in exchange for China agreeing to buy a few more US goods, basically about uh, $150 billion worth of goods. Where are we in that process? Is anyone's guess. Um, China has actually imported approximately a third of what they promised to import under the phase one deal. And you could blame COVID for that. You know, there's just been a slowdown generally. Across the, the world. But in all honesty, they don't really see a rush to bring in more U.S. products. They've reallocated their resources and they're pulling in from other places. So they don't necessarily depend on U.S. exports as much anymore.
1: You mentioned COVID. Do we have a feel for overall how the pandemic has affected the U.S.-China trade relationship?
0: Politically, I think it's, it's soured the relationship quite a bit. Uh, you've heard the rhetoric from the administration here in the US blaming China for setting off this pandemic or at least not being more transparent about it uh, in, in an effort to maybe stymie the economic collapse that came as a result of the pandemic. Um, but economically speaking, the real impact has been on global supply chains, Uh, A lot of US companies that were very diverse in where they got their components from, whether it's China or Vietnam or Indonesia, uh, they've realized that when an economy like this shuts down, their source of supply is cut off, and they they have to learn now how to pivot very quickly to other places to get the goods that they need. That's been a big issue, and it's led a lot of companies to reinvent their supply chains, the hope from the Trump administration was that those companies would suddenly just come home, insource everything to the United States. But the truth is, that's just not economically feasible for many of these companies. They instead are just looking outside China. Where else can we get these components? Who else has a similar uh, labor market, similar technology, similar industrial development? These are, are questions companies are asking. But what COVID has also shown us, I think, is that China has been able to lock down much faster than the U.S. And, and really treat this disease for the threat that it is. And it seems like they're emerging more quickly from it, which is going to put them on a better economic footing coming out. It seems like they're going to be the, one of the first players to actually get back on the market, see their consumer demand go up. And that could really position China for more, even more rapid growth.
1: When we talk about a trade war and tariffs going back and forth, these are two monster economies that make the really the the global engine run. Uh, How much can you do without destroying yourself in a situation like this? I would guess it's a pretty fine line you're trying to walk between punishing the other country without taking the hammer to yourself. I
0: I think that's the exact question we should be asking, is what, what can we do here? to try to get China or whatever target we have in mind to change their policies without completely destroying our own economy. Um, With a smaller country or one that we're not so trade dependent upon, we can do a lot. We can really get countries to change their policies by simply starting a trade war like this. Throw 20% tariffs on Brazil uh, because we want them to, to change some practice and they'll change because they are more dependent on us than we are on them. The difference with China is, first, they are a behemoth. Their economy is the same size as ours, so they don't necessarily need to change. And second, we're in such a globalized economy right now. China is looking for raw materials, raw inputs, and we're not the only country providing those. In fact, we're not the main country providing those. We produce manufactured goods, finished goods. China's not buying those. They're making those. Uh, so, We're not really able to change Chinese practices by simply putting tariffs on them. What we are doing, however, is harming a lot of our own producers. because The trade deficit, as you know, is what Mr. Trump was particularly upset about. We have a huge trade deficit with China. We've had it for uh, almost 30 years now, since the 1980s, and it's been growing every year. So Mr. Trump doesn't like the fact that we are buying more from China than we are selling to them. But the truth is, a lot of what we're buying, about half of what we're buying, are components that go into finished products that we're making here at home. So it's not consumers necessarily buying things at the local Walmart or Target. It's, it's manufacturers that are buying um, whatever they, the metal components or microchip components that they might need to make cars, to make airplanes and, and finish goods that are much more valuable at the end of the day. So we are kind of shooting ourselves in the foot when we put high tariffs on those very things that we need to manufacture our own goods, to keep our own economy sustainable. I think he picked the wrong way to fight this battle. There were better ways he could have gone about slowing down uh, China's economic progress and and helping to promote intellectual property protections there.
1: Give me an example of some ways in which you would have preferred to seen this this trail blazed.
0: The first thing he should have done and any administration should do is work cooperatively. As I said, China doesn't need us, but they do need trade. And so if we can get enough players on board in supporting our efforts to, to slow China down, for example, Uh, then we're going to have a much, much more viable outcome. Instead, we targeted everyone. We've got tariffs on Europe, on Canada, on Mexico, all over the world. So we're not making any friends that want to work with us. If we were to work together with a lot of these major uh, economies and some of the minor ones, for example, working with our partners in the Pacific Rim that China trades extensively with. President Obama worked on that with the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which was meant to offset some of Chinese growth, but Mr. Trump walked away from that agreement. So we lost a lot of that cooperative approach to slowing China down. Um, and with respect to intellectual property, I think the best way to go about stopping China is to use the World Trade Organization. I know Mr. Trump really disparages this institution and it's, it's been floundering lately, to be perfectly honest, but there are very strong rules in place that we pushed we negotiated for uh, that can punish China for breaking the rules of of the WTO. And when it comes to IP, there is a lot of theft of movies and and audio recordings and and books and technology that we can go after China for in a legitimate forum. And the truth is that China, while they don't always play by the rules of the WTO, when we win a case against them at the WTO, they typically implement it. They make the changes that are asked for because they don't want to face retaliation. So it's a, it's a really effective tool, so much better than what we're doing right now with tariffs.
1: Where do you think we're going to to go from here? Is this something that's going to just kind of be what it is now, status quo, until after the election and we see what direction this goes?
0: Well, I think that the election is what China's waiting for. Um, They have a lot of uncertainty right now, and I think they're trying to look like the grown-up in the room with respect to the trade war. They're trying not to do anything rash. Uh, They're trying to just kind of bite their tongue and wait. Whether that's a good policy or not, I don't know. I think President Trump could ratchet this up. If China's economy starts exporting again pretty in a strong fashion while we're still recovering, that's probably going to upset the Trump administration. And right now, we've got a lot of China hawks. We've got a, a U.S. trade representative. We've got a trade advisor, um, Robert Lighthizer and and, um, uh, and Peter Navarro, both very much China hawks. So they will probably push the president to take even stronger actions against China before uh, before leaving office or continuing, depending on the election.
1: I've also heard and read some things about The trade war slowly more attention being focused on a a tech war with China. When somebody says a tech war, can you kind of talk about what is meant by that? Is it more than just global competition?
0: So the idea is that China is a rising industrial power, and they have been since the 1980s. So they are similar to what the U.S. was at the end of the 1800s when we first industrialized and became a, a huge exporter. So China was always in that that boat. They were quickly growing, quickly developing this really important economic footprint. What we didn't expect, perhaps, and we should have, is that they would look ahead to what are going to be the industries that are going to be essential to economic success in the future. Um, They did that. They focused on tech. They realized that having uh, very good tech infrastructure will help them to develop the components and parts of the future build smart cities um, work with you know an industrial internet the IOT the Internet of Things uh, develop 5g networks and and using that to grow their economy more quickly I, I don't think we necessarily saw it coming so fast our main objection to that is of course that much of their technology is built upon stolen ideas and stolen tech that was from abroad but that's a a separate issue, they've got it, they've got it. So right now we're in a bit of a race, I would say the U.S. and China as to who is going to dominate the tech sector. Um, and and you probably read a lot of horror stories about it. China's gonna take over and, and they're, they're surpassing us in tech. The truth of it is I don't think they are. I think they're still years behind the U.S. in tech. We've been working in this area for a long, long time they're really good at certain things like the smart cities like 5g microchip manufacturing but overall the innovation economy that we have in the us is very well developed it's mature and i think we continue to attract the best and brightest around the world to work in that in those sectors so we will continue to maintain our edge plus it's a little bit different than trade in the sense of we're talking tech and innovation um which is something more global that requires cooperation among partners it's not a a unilateral development i don't think there's going to be a a u.s winner or a chinese winner at the end of the day i think it's going to be much more collaborative and that's how it should be that's how tech is meant to be which is why we have things like silicon valley it's all meant to have spillover effects and, and learning from each other same thing i think should be happening in the global tech environment And we're going to get there.
1: We've heard a lot about the the Chinese apps, WeChat, TikTok and the growing legal fight banning, trying to force a sale, stuff like that. Are we going to see more battles like this going forward?
0: Uh, I think it depends on the administration and who's what's going to happen in November will make a, a real big difference here. But yes, I do think there are going to be more fights about who should control this technology. The main issue with China is that because of their the Chinese government's strong influence over the private sector, there is a good chance, a, a real possibility, that they could use technology to um, violate rules of, of the game. For example, building back doors into their 5G networks that allow them to take information from monitoring cities or or, or um, you know have self-driving cars, they could take private information gathered from these companies and transmit it to the government, which could create some, some potential national security risks, not to mention economic risks. We don't necessarily have that same issue in the US and UK and in Europe, private sector is largely insulated from a lot of that government interference. I mean, just as an example, if you think about the uh, terrorist activities with, involving Apple iPhones and the government trying to force Apple to build a back door to get information and Apple refusing, outright refusing. Would the same thing happen if it were Huawei and it were China telling Huawei, we need that back door, we need that information? So there, there is a real risk that, that Ch- the Chinese government is going to have a lot more influence over their private industry. And that's why I think the US is pushing for more of uh, uh, American control over a lot of those, those products. How real is that? How likely is that to happen is, is really anyone's guess. I think that the fear probably outweighs the reality of it, but it, and the technology is really needed by so many countries. So the the problem you get into is a lot of countries that have to get 5G, they they really depend upon it and they need it in an affordable way. They're going to go to China to get that technology. They're going to use Huawei for their infrastructure and for their uh, telecom, for their government services. If the U.S. is creating bans on this technology, that means the U.S. is going to have to sanction those countries this is the reason that the UK and Australia and others have turned down Huawei, even though they were considering using them, they turned them down because the U S said, if you use them, we are going to, we're not going to work with you. We're not going to share national security information with you. Five eyes is not going to going to operate. So that, that was a real risk to those countries. I think the same question comes up in a lot of other countries that are looking to China for help in developing their, their tech infrastructure. If they go with China does this mean they're going against the US? That's that's the fight of the future, in my opinion.
1: Are there other Chinese companies on the horizon that are going to become more mainstream names that we will start to hear talked about in the way that these others are?
0: Not really big ones that you would necessarily know. Because of the place that China is in the market, they're not always producing the end product. Huawei is an end product, but you know, if you You've got smci their semi semiconductor manufacturer which is huge but they're not always the ones that you see in the actual finished product that's not the name you see no to be honest i can't think of one that's on the horizon that that's going to shock us as much as huawei did when they took the number one position in terms of market share for 5g infrastructure i don't think we we expected that to happen so quickly but and, and they're sharing that position with other foreign companies the US isn't even really playing a, a significant role in that technology. I mean, we're talking about um, two Scandinavian companies and a Taiwanese company along with Huawei as controlling the, the vast majority of the market. Uh, and that's, that's surprising. That, that does show in that area that the US is a bit behind. But in terms of other big names coming to the uh, dinner table, I, I can't think of any offhand.
1: I think even someone who follows the, the trade war just from reading the occasional article kind of understands why they should care, you know, could we re- losing jobs, prices go up, stuff like that. Why should the average American be concerned about this, the the tech war, these types of battles? How does this affect the everyday person?
0: Well, I think the main reason, the main way that it would affect the everyday person is in our own infrastructure development? What are we going to be as a country? Uh, This is a a bigger economic and political fight, I think. What do we want to be? Do we want to be what we were in the past, a manufacturing economy that is uh, producing physical goods? Or do we want to be an innovation economy? Do we want to be focused on tech? Do we want to be focused on the next big thing and using tech to solve problems? China's already made the decision of what they want to be. I think we're still struggling with that. So where this really plays a role is, do we want to be the ones who are leading this development, leading this growth into an innovation economy? Or do we want to turn to China and and follow their their approach and use their products, rely on their their development for ourselves? I think one of us is going to have to make a decision or one of the the politicians that are are looking at what kind of economy we want, we need to to push them to say we want to advance, we want to be able to compete with the rest of the world, and we can't do it with economic policies that are getting gathering dust. We need to be focusing on innovation, and we really shouldn't become dependent on other countries in doing so. That's, I think, where it's going to affect the everyday consumer. I'm thinking about the job market of the future. Um, What kind of of training do we want to give to our our young people? Thinking about, for example, educational opportunities. Right now, we've got a lot of really strong immigration language coming out of the Trump administration that is blocking students and, uh, and and other very bright people coming into the country to to learn or to work and contribute to this kind of an economy. I think that's taking a step towards the past that is, is preventing us from really using the knowledge that we have, the lead that we have in innovation to create a, a sustainable, fair, democratic approach to, to an innovation economy.